Isaiah chapter 49. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Tom. Whew. <laughs> Isaiah 49. Um, again, I want to continue to build upon what we've been talking about. Uh, it's really our summer theme. It really fits into what God said to us back in January, uh, better than ever. It's his declaration, his word over this house. And then we had another word that came to this house, over this house, and, and uh, we're releasing faith forward, and it was to make no little plans here. It is our summer theme. And in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 5, we, we get the idea um, of that, of that truth. Notice what Isaiah says here. He says, I find the source of all my strength in my God, who says it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore and preserve the ones of Israel, for I will also make you a light of the nations so that my, now catch this, my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. The Lord's spoken to us to make no little plans here. Moving forward, we are a people that are planning big, not just as a church, but you should be planning big for your families, for your home. Come on. No little plans here, here. Whether it be my bank account, I'm not making little plans. For my marriage, I'm not making little plans. Raising my children, no little plans here. I love this, this verse because it supports that truth. God is saying to them, he's saying, you're, you're making this too small of a thing. And we have a tendency to do this as, as, as just people. We make something small when God is wanting it big. And, 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 and this is Israel, and, and this is Isaiah and God's people, and they're saying, they're, they're, they're saying um, Lord, we're excited about just seeing Israel saved. And God says, if Israel, if that's all it is, Israel getting saved or the Jewish people getting saved, God says, hey, I, I got to tell you, that's, that's just too small of a thing. God says, I have other ethnicities. I have other nations. I'm not just about Israel. He says, I got, I got all families of the earth in mind. You're making it about one nation, and God says, I'm making it about 8 billion people. God says, I want them all. Oh, my. I want them all saved. I want to reach them all. How are we going to reach almost 8 billion people? We better get busy dreaming bigger than what we're dreaming right now. God says it's to this, this, this building, this life, this ministry. Come on, your home, it's too small of a thing. God has more for you. He wants to increase you more and more, according to Psalms 115, you and your children. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. God wants to go beyond what you can ask. God wants to go beyond what you can think. It's too small of a thing. You need to get that small thing out of you. You need to get that small thing out of you. God has something bigger in mind. What I like about this is Isaiah starts off by saying, this is how I get my strength. And it's the same way you're going to get your strength. How? By believing that God can do more in your life. He says, I find the source of all my strength because this is what my God is saying. God is saying over my life and over your life, he's, he's saying it's too small of a thing. When you start believing in a bigger God, your depression will go. This, this is how he got strength. When you start believing that God can make a way where there seems to be no way, come on, that discouragement will have to go. When you start understanding who the, the God is that you serve, you won't be sad anymore. You'll say, this is where I find my strength. I find my strength knowing that God says, I can do more. Come on, you're not at a dead end. Maybe you're at the end of the chapter, but come on, God's getting ready to write another chapter of your life, right? Now, we've been looking, and I've got to scoot and hurry, or we're going to be in the same shape as we were the last three weeks. I've been going off script, and people have been telling me, I like when you go off script. And so I'm trying to stay on script today, but we'll see how that goes. I've been looking at the book of Joshua, 
and how God used Joshua to lead God's people into a, a new season of their life. Into actually, it was a season of expansion, and it was a season of enlargement. And, and I, I feel like I just need to speak that into your life, that we are in a season of expansion and enlargement and increase. Two people. The violent take it by force. I declare over your life, your family, come on, everything that you set your hand to do is not getting smaller. It's getting bigger. It's getting brighter. It is increasing more and more. Come on, somebody shout more and more. I declare that we are stepping into a season of expansion, of enlargement, of increase in every area of our life. So be it, Lord. Oh, yeah. Somebody shout, oh, yeah. Found myself in my office this week. God was talking to me, and all, 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 the only words I could say was, oh, yeah. Oh, but God was talking about increase. He was talking about enlargement. He was talking about blessing. He was getting the doubt and the fear out of my heart. And all I could say was, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Somebody shout, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So here is God's people. They're on the verge of crossing over into the land of promise, a land that flows with milk and honey, a land of amazing resources and abundance. We, we, most of us know the story. But what is interesting, again, and this is review, but it's always good to review, right? That's how we learn. What's interesting is that before God lets them into their big life, before God lets them into their, their, their expansion or their enlargement, or before God allows them into increase, God wants to talk to them about three things. And you need to hear this. Before God can increase you and enlarge you and expand your life, you're, 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 you're going to have to hear about these three things. God wants to talk to you about three different things. He talked to them about their yesterdays. He talked to them about their todays. And he talked to them about their tomorrows. We've learned in recent uh, teachings, we learned that when God talked about their yesterdays, he let them know that he had healing for their yesterdays. You can't increase in your life if you're stuck in your life. If you're stuck in the past and stuck in the hurt, God cannot expand you. God cannot increase you because you're stuck. And God wants you to know uh, uh, that, that, that you have a future, that, that, that you can't stay stuck, that he has healing for that hurt. He's not saying that it didn't happen. He just has healing for it so he can Flip the script and turn you and, and move you into a new chapter of your life. So, so God talks to them about their yesterdays, and God tells them that he has healing for their yesterdays. Somebody needs to hear that today. God has healing for that pain. God has healing for your, your yesterdays. That, that accusation, God has healing for it. I'm telling you, most of the church is paralyzed. Most of humanity is paralyzed because they're stuck in their pains of yesterday. And God is saying, I have healing and deliverance and breakthrough, and I don't need you to live the rest of your life living in your past. I've got a new chapter for you. How many of you believe God's got a new chapter for you? Yeah, it happened. It's part of your book. It's part of your story, but it's not the end of your story. Somebody ought to shout and say, it's not the end of my story. Shout, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. Then God talked to them about their tomorrows. He says, I have healing for your yesterdays. And he says, he says in Joshua 3, 5, he says, consecrate yourself for tomorrow I will do miracles among you. Not only does God have healing for your yesterdays, but God has miracles or supernatural help for your tomorrows. This wasn't just their promise. This is your promise. This is the God we serve. We serve a God of miracles. Don't, don't, don't make, make that weird. It's just God's supernatural help. To, to, it, it, it's God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Amen? How many of you need some supernatural help in your tomorrows. And where we're at right now is we're talking about the today. So God says, I have healing for your yesterdays. I have miracles for your tomorrows. And then God begins to talk to them in the first three chapters of Joshua about certain, now you're not going to like this word, 
but certain preparations or disciplines. In other words, the other two, God says, I'll take care of these. I'll bring healing for your yesterdays, and I'll do miracles for your tomorrows. Hmm. But today, I need you to do something. And if you'll do what you need to do, then I will do miracles in your tomorrow. 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 Today was yesterday's tomorrow. Hear that again. Today was yesterday's tomorrow. That means you can expect today miracles because it really was your tomorrow. If you're doing what God's asked you to do. We told you there's five different preparations. We started on the first one, and we've been stuck ever since. And I'm sensing we might be stuck again. But we'll come back and finish it if we have to, right? The first one we found out that God tells them about their todays is this. Prepare your priority. Prepare your priority. Uh, this has to do with the daily priority of God's Word. L let me help you understand. This is the most important one. So the other ones, we won't spend as long on it. Notice it's the priority. You've got to get this right or nothing else works. God says there is a priority that you need to have in your life, and it is the daily priority of God's Word in your life. Notice it in Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it, what, day and night. Hello, today's that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I love it. God wants you to have good success. Notice this book of the law shall not depart. Meditate in it day and night. The first thing that God says to Joshua in order to lead God's people into a place of enlargement, God says, this book, this book, notice it starts, this book, this book, this book, this book, somebody ought to get them a book. This book, somebody ought to get them. If you don't have a book, you better get yourself a book. God says, this book, this book, this book. God has a book that will bring you into a place of abundance, of enlargement, and increase. There is a book that will enlighten you and that will enrich you. There is a book that has all the answers to life that you need, and this book is called the Word of God. It's your Bible. If you don't have a physical copy of one of these, you need to go get one right now. Oh, really? There's something that you can have with a physical Bible that you can't have with your technology. We'll get into that in the future. You need one of those just in case your, your technology loses its battery. You need a book. Somebody shout a book. This book is called the Word of God, and it's the most important book in your life. It's the most important thing in your life. You can actually get to a place of revelation that if they stranded you on an island and they said you could have a Twinkie or a Bible, you would choose. Forget the Twinkie. Give me a... We need to fall in love with the Word of God, the book. The last few weeks now, we have really dealt with the authority of God's Word. And then we've, we've talked about the power in God's Word, the authority, that it is the final authority, that, that, that my truth, your truth is not true, that it's God's truth that's true. We, we've, we've had to really work hard on that because our society is going crazy. So we talked about the authority of God's Word. I encourage you to go back and, 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 and listen to those messages. And then we, we talked about the power of God's Word, that the Word of God is what actually carries God's power. If you want miracles in your life, you've got to get it in the Word of God. The Bible says that He confirms His Word with signs following. You don't get no miracles if there's no Word. It's the Word that carries the power of God. The Word, I say it this way, the Word of God is pregnant with supernatural help for your life. You've got to have the Word if you're going to have miracles in your, your life. So God says, Joshua, I need your days and nights. 
all about the Word of God. I need your, your days and I need your todays all about the Word of God. And what's interesting in what I want to talk about just for a short brief moment is what is interesting is when, 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 when God tells Joshua that I need you to meditate, I need, I need this word in your daily priority, God tells Joshua that it has to be in three places in order for it to work. And I think a lot of us, it's not working because the word is in the book and not in these three places. This is how you make the word work. Now, I know this is teaching and we've done a lot of yelling and screaming in times past, but, 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 but we're going to get some understanding. I haven't come to entertain you or get you excited. In all you're getting, get understanding. For the Word of God to work, it's got to be in three places of your life. And this is what God showed Joshua. Here's the first one. God's Word must be, number one, in your mouth. For the Word of God to work, it's got to be in your mouth. You've got to speak God's Word. Notice there in verse 8, the, this book of the law shall not depart from your what? Shall not depart from your mouth. God's Word that stays in the book will not change your life. Hmm. This is so important. It's, this is absolutely important. As a pastor, been doing this for a lot of years, I understand how important this is because it was crazy for me to see during COVID how nobody knew anything about the Word. And, and, and I, I made a decision right there as a pastor. When we get back together, we're going to teach the Word around here because your shout didn't get you through COVID. Huh? Your little dance, whatever you did on Sunday, and your little clapping of hands, or what, it didn't get you through on COVID. We need to build a strong, glorious church that understands... Come hell or high water, our feet are grounded. And so, so this is what we're doing, right? It's got to be in your mouth. God's Word in the book does not change your life. For it to change your life, it's got to get in your mouth. Did you know that Christianity is called the Great Confession? It's called the Great Confession. Now, most of the church thinks that when we speak of confession, we're actually talking about asking God for forgiveness. <laughs> that's not true. That, that's not Bible. When the Bible talks about confession, the, the word means in the original language, it actually means to say the same thing that God says. When, when, when the Bible is called the great confession, it doesn't mean go ask for forgiveness. It means start talking like God talks. Start speaking what God speaks. In the original language, it means to say what God says. says. It means to speak the word of God. That's the reason why in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, and they don't have this, but you can, you can write these notes down. In Hebrews 3, 1, it says, Jesus is the high priest over our confession. Jesus is in heaven. He's a high priest, and he's high priest over what? He's high priest over what is coming out of your your mouth. So that means Jesus, who is the Word of God, is watching over our confession of the Word of God. Confession in the Bible means to say the same thing that God says. Woo! It really doesn't have anything to do with asking for forgiveness. Shocker. Hello. It means to acknowledge what is wrong, but the Bible speaks clearly about that. That's wrong, and I'm not doing that no more. But it's not speaking about going into a booth asking for forgiveness. Confession is to say the same thing that God is saying. And the Bible says that you have a high priest that's watching and listening at what's coming out of your mouth. It's called the great confession, and he's overseeing it. And then it goes on to say in verse 14 of chapter 4, since we have a high priest, which is Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. What is he saying? Say it and keep saying it. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep speaking God's Word. That's what Christianity is all about. For the Bible to work, it's got to get off of the pages of the book and into your mouth. For God's Word to work, you have to speak God's Word in your life. We see this in Romans chapter 10. Notice here in verse 8. It says the word, this, is, this, is, this, this tells you right here how the Bible works. The word is near you. It's near you. It's near you. It's close. It's close. Where do I need to get it? It's near you, but it's not good enough just to be near you. 
Where does it need to be? In your mouth. It's near you. It's near you. It's somewhere. It's in the back seat. It's near you. It's on my technology. It's near you. It's near you. It's, it's, it's at church every Sunday. Pastor says it's near you. It's not good enough to have it near you. For the Word of God to work, it's got to be in your, in your mouth and in your heart. Why in your heart? Because out of the heart, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you, know, you know you're already speaking something. You're just speaking what you're full of. If you're full of anger, it just comes out. If you're full of strife, it just comes out. If you're full of disappointment, it just comes out. If you're full of failure, it just comes out. If you see nothing good, it just comes out. If you're critical, it just comes out. But if you get the Word in God in your heart, it'll start just coming. Oh, what you're full of comes out of you. It says, for with the heart one believes. Now, let me back up. I didn't catch all that. It says, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the Word of faith. Somebody say the Word of faith. The word of faith which we preach, or you could say declare. Don't make this a preacher thing. He's not talking about a preacher. He's talking about you. He's talking about get the word in your mouth, in your heart, and when you do that, it becomes the word of faith which we declare. Let, let, let me, uh, just a side note, don't want to teach this, but when the Bible, the written word is called the word of God, but when it starts coming out of your mouth, it's called, it's called the word of faith. It, it, it's not just the Word of God then. It becomes the Word of faith that I declare. The written, written Word becomes the Word of faith, faith that can move a mountain, faith that can move sickness, faith, faith, that, can, faith that can prosper your... Come on. Notice verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So with the heart you believe, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, don't make that about getting saved. That word salvation doesn't mean just going to heaven. That word salvation means healing, means deliverance, means protection. It means everything. That's an all-inclusive word of what God has provided for his redemptive people. So, so everything that God has for you, healing, deliverance, breakthrough, Everything that God has provided, notice in verse 10, he tells you how to get it. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, or unto healing, unto deliverance, unto peace, unto joy. Come on, but it's got to get out of your mouth if you're going to get it, right? How did you get saved? You confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, and you what? Got saved, and people believed that when they die, they're going to go to heaven. But I'm here to tell you the same way you got saved is the same way you get healed. It's the same way you get everything else from the Word of God. It was good enough to get you saved. It's good enough to get your family healed and delivered and set free. If you have a need, get the Word in your heart and get it coming out your mouth. That's how you get what you get when you get it. You didn't hear me. That's how you get what you get when you get it. It happens in the kingdom, and it happens in the devil's kingdom, too. You're always getting what you get when you get it. I said, you always get what you're getting when you get it. Life and death is in the power of the, the eyeball? No. The tongue. The most important thing in your life is your mouth. It's the steering wheel to your future. Some of you, you would do yourself well to buy you a roll of duct tape today <laughs> and put it over your mouth because you are exactly seeing what you've been saying. If you want to change what you're seeing, start changing what you're saying. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed. Cast and see, shall not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says shall come to pass. He shall have it whatsoever things he says. Listen, if your faith is not moving your mouth, your faith is not moving your mountain. You've got to say it. For the word of God to work, it's got to get in your, in your mouth. That's how you got saved. It's how you get everything else. Tom, I think you need to come.
Jeez. I knew I shouldn't have started. Is this helping anybody? Come on, we need help, right? Let me give you this. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's revealing the real enemy to the church. A lot of times we don't want to talk about Satan or the devil because we think if we ignore him, we'll go away. He's hoping you ignore him so he can keep destroying your life. But you have an enemy. You have an adversary who roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Like I told you last week, he's a scumbag. He's a defeated foe. You don't need to be afraid of him. We fear no evil around here. I said we fear no evil. Well, well Pastor, I, I, I'd be cautious if he's that vocal about it and that bold. I know I'm, I want him to hear that. You can't touch my family. You can't touch my home. You can't make me poor. I'll never be sick another day of my I'm saying what I'm believing for. What are you saying? You know, you know, um, after every sentence that you say, if you would just add this and let it be done to me according to what I said, you would quit saying half of the stuff you say. And let it be done according to me. Let it be done unto me according to what I just said. You are getting what you say. The Bible says, you shall declare a thing, and it shall be established. God created what he created with words, and you create what you create with your words because you have been created in the likeness and the image of God Almighty. The Bible says that when he created you, you in your, when he, he created you in his image, he created you as a, 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 a what? Some, thank you, sir. Give that person a brownie point right there. He created you as a spoon. That's good. Yes, somebody's helping me. As a what? As a speaking spirit. Come on. You are a speaking spirit. Notice what it says here in Ephesians when Paul is trying to reveal that you have an enemy. He says, our fight is not with people. Wow, if we just get that. You thought it was your neighbor. You thought your pastor was your problem. Hello. Huh? Isn't it amazing how we think it's, 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 it's my boss, it's them, it's that person. It's, that, that's not your problem. I've had to remind myself so many times over the last several months, Randy, your enemy is not people. Why? Because we all get hurt by people. We get rejected by people. Our fight is not with people, it is against the leaders and the powers and the spirits of darkness in this world. It is against the demon world that works in the heavenlies or the heavens. That is why you need to put on God's full armor. And then it goes in Ephesians 6 and it lists seven pieces of armor. Won't get into them all today. Most of them are defensive pieces of weaponry. But notice in Ephesians chapter 6, Verse 17, if we drop down to verse 17, it, start, it lists the last couple of them. It says, and take the helmet of salvation. And here's the one I want you to see. And the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. The word of God. It's important to understand the word word there is not logos. Logos in the, in the Greek is, is written word. That is not the word used here. This is, this is rhema. So when it, it says the word here, it says, which is the rhema word of God. Rhema means the spoken word. So, so God says, I have given you a, oh, a sword of the spirit. You have an adversary. You have an enemy. He's trying to destroy your life. Your problem really isn't your neighbor. Your problem really isn't your husband. Your problem really isn't your boss. Here's your problem. This is what's causing the warfare. Here's the root to it. But I've given you armor, and I've given you a weapon to destroy that attack on your home, your marriage, your family. It's called the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, but not the written Word of God. 
For God's word to stay in the book will not change your life. You've got to take God's word out of the book and put it in your mouth. And when you put it in your mouth, it becomes the sword of the spirit. And the devil has no answers for that. Amen. I said the devil has no answers for the sword. It is the offensive weapon that God, most of them, all of them are defensive. Breastplate, all that kind of stuff. Righteous, they're all defensive. The only other offensive, in my estimation, is the prayer, praying in the Spirit, and we need to do that. And that is a weapon. But he's given you a sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? It is the spoken word of God. And when you speak it into your home, and you speak it into your life, and you speak it over your business, and you speak it over your resources, the devil has no answer. I said the devil has no answer. I said the devil has no answer. He is a defeated foe. We see this when Jesus, we see it with Jesus, right? Jesus is being tempted. He's being tempted. He's just been baptized. I'm getting ready to close a promise right here, right here, I think. Right, Tom, tell him I'm closing. Good. So. Remember Jesus? We're all Bible students, right? You've all been in church some long enough to know that Jesus went in the wilderness, baptized baptized by John the Baptist, came up. God, God said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Goes 40 days into a time of prayer and fasting and being tempted by the devil. And the devil comes to him. And, and the devil brings temptations to him. And the Bible outlines three specific temptations. And every temptation, every temptation, Jesus pulled out the sword of the Spirit. He said, devil, it is written. You know, you know what you ought to do the next time you start feeling sick? You ought to put the sword and the spirit in your mouth and say, Devil, by the stripes of Jesus, I am the healed of the... The next time you start feeling like you're not going to make it, you need to declare, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Greater is he that's in me than he that... You've got to get the word. You get what you get when you say what you say. You've got to say it. It is the sword of the Spirit, and the enemy has kept us silent as it pertains to God's Word, but active when it comes to speaking the doubt and unbelief. Because Satan knows how spiritual laws, spiritual laws work, and he knows if he can get you talking the trash and talking the discouragement and talking the disappointments, he knows he's, he, he's got a legal right just to bring more, just to bring more. But you've been given a sword of the Spirit. Somebody shout, oh, yeah. Come on, somebody shout, oh, yeah. Somebody shout, oh, yeah. I got, I got, some, I got some weapons. Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Satan, get out of here. It is written. Let, let me close with this thought. I, I've got so much more to do, but this, this will tie into our camp. What's interesting is, is that he's tempted on three different occasions that we know of. Uh, Jesus has been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says he's hungry. How many of you think he would be hungry too? And the Bible says that, that Satan came to him and said, you know, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into Right, that was the first temptation. Then he takes them onto a mountain and says, hey, if you bow down, worship me, because Satan always wants you to worship him. Right? He always wants you to worship him. He says, if you worship me, he says, I'll give you all this glory. Satan does that same thing to you. If you worship me, if you just work all the time, so you have no time to go to church and serve God and be there for your family, if you just work, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll, I'll, you'll, you'll finally get it. It's a lie. The third temptation, he takes up a high pinnacle. Says again, you know what? This time, Satan actually quotes the word. Did, did not the word say that if you, you know, that if you throw yourself down, that angels would catch you and, you know, unless you dash your foot against the stone? Sa Satan's good at quoting the word. I, I don't want to shock you, but uh, Satan never misses a service. The Bible says when the Word of God is preached like this, Satan comes immediately to try to steal it. Why? Because he doesn't want you to get what you need to get so your life can change. So, so he wants you to get distracted with your phone right now. 
That text that just came in, that little buzz that you just, oh, that swimming pool, sir, that you're sitting by. He, he wants you to get distracted. Why? Because he knows the power that's in the Word. And, and, and so he comes quoting the Word. He comes quoting the Word, but Jesus then just quotes back the Word. And this is not where I thought it was going, but since I'm there, I need to say this. The Bible calls it a, a double-edged sword. The Bible says, a study to show yourself approved, workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's a double-edged sword. Do you know you can take the word and hurt people? You can take the word and put people in bondage. It has one edge. And religion has done that for years. If we don't rightly divide the word and have both edges, you'll actually destroy people instead of help people. And when Jesus knew that Satan was trying to use the word to hurt, to distort, to confuse, to bind, hello, Jesus knew the word because he was the word, and he says, you're misquoting the word. You're abusing the word. You're misleading the word. It's a double-edged sword, and you've got to know both sides of the word. You've got to rightly divide the word of truth. So, amen. That's free of charge, by the way. You can just take that. You've got to rightly divide. Confirm every truth by, by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Don't, don't ever go off on just one verse. If it's true, it'll be all through the Bible. You get that double-edged sword. But in the first temptation, and I am closing... I don't know if I could ever go back to five, six services. I don't know. It's just this one marathon service is just. It's not marathon, hey, but, but I don't know. I think we have to start a Friday night service too. So. Somebody else say, oh, yeah. Friday night miracle service. Somebody else say, oh, yeah. Okay, here, here's, 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 uh, this is for the youth. This is, this is for you, but this is, this is how I want to send this camp off. Jesus, Jesus is being tempted in the first temptation. You're hungry, aren't you? The devil says, man, you, you're God. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? And we think the temptation is for Jesus to turn the stones into bread, but that's not the temptation. The temptation is for Jesus to doubt his identity. Are you hearing me? Jesus has just been baptized in the waters by John the Baptist. And God has declared over him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the next thing we know, Satan's coming to challenge what God has said concerning Jesus. If you really are the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. If you really are, if you re the enemy's always trying to misidentify you. Hello, you. Telling you you're a loser, you're a failure, you're never going to amount to anything. He'll come to you and he'll try to misidentify you. But I'm here to tell you, you've already been identified. You are the beloved, come on, sons and daughters of Almighty God. You are righteous. You are healed. You are an overcomer. You're not a misfit. You're not confused. You weren't put in the wrong body. Come on. The, the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. He did it. Oh. Same thing he did in the garden. Trying to misidentify. Just stand to your feet. The temptation was for Jesus to doubt his identity. A lot of us doubt our identity, don't we? Huh? I'm a loser. I'm a failure. And we believe those lies and we let the enemy identify us. But I'm here to tell you God's got healing for your yesterdays. You are the beloved sons and daughters of the most. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. I don't care if it was last night. You are the beloved sons 
and daughters of the whole of the Most High God. Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it crazy how the devil will tempt you to do it and then the scumbag will get on your shoulder and blame you for doing what he told you to do? That's not who you are. I said, that's not who you are. You might have done it, but it's not who you are. You are sons and daughters of the most high God. You are overcomers. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, you're going somewhere to happen. Your best days are ahead of you and upon you. The temptation was for Jesus to doubt who he was. And that's been the temptation on this next generation. He's trying to work on our babies. He's trying to work on our kids. He's trying to work on our young people. And he's trying to sell them. You're not here. Is anybody hear me say, oh, say, oh yeah? He's telling them who they're not. We know who they are. They are loved of the Father. They have purpose and they have destiny and they have a future. Come on, somebody. They're world changers and world shakers. They become, wow, 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 wow. Satan's always trying to hijack your identity. And just close with that. Satan's always trying to hijack your identity. Not just young people, but we're, listen, we're going to go on that mountain and everything's going to change. I just speak, I just speak to people in this congregation today where the enemy has tried to redefine you through your pain and through your hurt, through your upbringing through your mistakes and through your failures. It is a lie. It is a lie and it has no authority over you unless you believe it. You're not depressed. You don't need that medication. You won't need it the rest of your life. You're not discouraged. You're the healed of the Lord. You're the beloved one of the Father. You've been made righteous. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not confused. I said you're not confused. I said you're not confused. Oh, good things are ahead of you. Temptation was not turning the stones into bread. The temptation was to believe the lie of the devil about who he was. The temptation over your life is for you to believe a lie. Are you hearing me? To believe a lie about what Satan is saying concerning you, and you're not. You've been created in the very image very likeness of God. You're an overcomer. You're destined to win. You're the beloved of the Father. God loves you. He cares for you. He'll never leave you nor abandon you. He's with you at 12. He's with you at 11. He's with you at 8. He's with you at 65. He's right by your side, and he's still screaming it from the heavens. This is my son. This is my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. Did you get it? Jesus hadn't even done a miracle, and the Father was already saying, I'm pleased with him, and I'm here to tell you, you don't have to do anything to earn God's, mm, to earn God's acceptance. God is pleased with you. Here at church, God, yeah, but you don't know what I did last night, but I'm here to tell you, God is pleased with you. He loves you. He can fix whatever went wrong. He can forgive you, but you've got to know he loves you. He's the father looking for his son to come running home. 
God loves you and he wants to strip away all those misidentifications off your life. You are not a loser and you are not discouraged and you are not depressed and you are not a failure. He wants to strip away all those lies until you see yourself as the beloved one of the Father in whom he is well pleased. And when you get that revelation, it's really easy to live for God because you don't want to do the hell anymore. You want to please your master. Are you with me? Come on. I, I believe this camp. Maybe I, I, I know, I know. Been crazy weeks around here. I don't know what God's doing, but it's been crazy. I said, God, I'm just going to do it. I'm just, you just tell me what to do, Lord. I've been doing this too long. I want to see results. Come on, come on. Do you believe God's moving amongst us? Man, I could, I'm telling you, some of you, you needed to hear that. It's just being stripped away. Just stripped away. You're not a loser. You're not a misfit. Come on, you're not stuck anymore. Come on, your past is not your future. All those labels, all those labels, all those labels. You're, you're not. No, no, no. You're, you're beautiful. You're, I said you're beautiful. I know, I know I have a big nose, but you ought to see how beautiful it is. It's a beautiful nose. I, I shaved off my little beard, you know. I said, baby, when I shave off my beard, my, my nose gets bigger. It's an inside joke. I used to think I had a big nose, and I, I have a, I have, me and Alfred, we're, 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 As a kid, my nose always bugged me because my nose grew before I grew. <laughs> and I thought I had a big nose because if I, I, I would shut one eye and then look and I could see my nose. I said, dear God, what did he do that to me? And then I found out one day that everybody who shuts their eye, one eye, can see their nose. So y'all got big noses. I bless you, your beautiful, beautiful noses. Come on, tell the devil to shut up. Tell him to get out of your life. Take the sword of the Spirit and run that devil out of your life. He's a loser. He's a misfit. And all he has is lies about you. Come on, you're coming up higher. You've already been identified. You are the love of the Father. That's what's going to happen on that mountain. I said, that's what's going to happen on that mountain. That's awesome. We're going to be identified by the one that has made us and the one that has created us. We're going to get above the noise yes. and the lies of the evil one. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Okay. Woo. Say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get ready, get ready. It's coming, church. Get ready. You ought to expect it on Monday, Tuesday, when miracles are coming to your life. Supernatural help. And I'm telling you, you're gonna, you're gonna you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna start saying that this week. You're gonna, I know what pastor's talking. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Check this out. Take your sword and run that devil right up out of your life and your family and your thoughts. It is your weapon. You say, Satan, it is written. I will not be broke. I will not be sick. I will not be discouraged. I will prosper. Everything that I set my hands to do shall succeed. I am blessed going out and blessed coming in. I'm the head and not the tail. Come on, somebody ought to be thankful. They're not the tail. And everything I set my hand to do shall prosper. Somebody shout, oh, yeah. Yeah. Going to the mountain be right, to be identified yep. by the one that has created us. The lies are coming off this week for our kids. I said the lies are coming off this week for our kids. The misidentifications are being stripped away. Come on, not only over our youth, but our children. Come on. And every person that's in this room and those online. Come on, it's our best days. It's, it's our best hour. Make no little plans here. I want us to pray. I want us to pray over our, our youth. I want us to pray. Would you agree with us? Maybe that's why I brought you up. I know you want to say. You want to say something about my nose? Did you want to say something? <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about your nose. It has been a problem when we kiss and stuff sometimes. You're so dumb. <laughs> did, do you want to just pray or did you want to say something? No, I do want to pray, but I, I, I love what he's talking about 
with the Word of God because you don't realize how much power is in it. I do believe as you just take that little step of mustard seed faith, that if that's what the Word of God says it is, then I'm going to grab it and I'm going to start using it this week. When those thoughts of depression come, when I wake up in the morning, when I go to roll out of bed and it's like, oh, another Monday, this is horrible, or oh, I still feel this way, or oh, the blood work still looks this way, or oh, my kid's still acting this way, that instead of just rolling over with it, that you go, well, you know what? If the word of God is true, I'm gonna use it. And you start taking it out, and you start declaring over your life, just like he was giving examples for. I declare today that my mind is made new by the truth of the Word of God. I declare that the Word of God works effectively in me because I believe. I believe that the seed is a Word of God and it's growing effectively on the inside of me and it's producing results. My body is lining up with the truth of the Word of God. We do walk in submission to God and, and holiness and righteousness and my mind is made new because of the word of God, you'll start seeing the power of the word come to pass in your life. And you know what I love about this is there's no age requirement. Your two-year-old can declare, in fact, sometimes the two-year-olds have a little bit more oomph with it and the word works for them because there's no doubt involved, right? So your two-year-old can declare the word of God over their life and a 92-year-old can still declare the truth of the Word of God in your life. In fact, the younger you know, the younger uh, that you are when you learn to use the weapon, the more effective your life and strong your life is going to be. And so I am excited about this week. I do believe our youth are going to experience uh, some powerful things. Do you want me to pray now? No, don't pray yet. Um, we're going to pray and then we're going to let you go. Let me just say a couple things here before we do that. I want to remind you, for the word to work, it's got to get off the pages of this book, and it's got to get in your mouth. Yep. It's not enough to be here. It's not enough to be on your phone. For the word of God, it's got to first be in your yep. mouth. It's actually your weapon. The devil has no answers for it. You get what you get when you speak what you speak. Good. Yep. And you really are getting what you're speaking. I bless you with that. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.